Welcome back to Sluts and Scholars. I'm Simone. And I'm Nicoletta. And today we have a very special guest joining us, Dirty Lola. Hello. Hi. Ah. Hey. <laughs> so this is actually our first Skype interview, which is very exciting. Um, but like, Ooh, we, can't, we can't see Lola. It's kind of like we're blindfolded. <laughs> uh, but we were saying we have this great picture shot of her cleavage. But if you don't know who Dirty Lola is... Uh, she is a self-defined, queer, poly, and proud slutty woman of color. She rules New York City and beyond as a sex Ow! educator, storyteller, <laughs> and sex toy aficionado. Dirty Lola has also spoken around the country at events such as Sexual Health Expo and Catalyst Con, in addition to lots of colleges and universities. And today we're going to talk about being poly, swinging, sluttiness, and everything in between. Huh. Yes. Yes. So we are super happy to have you on. And for those out there listening who don't know what being poly is, could you tell us a little bit about what polyamorous means to you? Polyamorous. So, yeah, people always ask this and I feel like there's like a stock um, definition, but then there's so many ways to be poly that I hate giving that because there's always going to be someone like, that's not how I'm poly. So, exactly. <laughs> so for me, it just means that I am interested in developing um, loving and intimate relationships with multiple people that I date outside of my main relationship with my husband. Um, but I also uh, have rando sleep around moments where I don't really give a fuck about developing intimate relationships. So it's not like every time I sleep with someone, I'm like, I want to know all we have to be in love. <laughs> right. Right. But I feel uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> but there's I there's also always the chance that that could happen. And it's welcome. And how did you how, how did the, how did you develop this? Have you so I'm is polyamorous a sexuality? So it's kind of always been there. And then it's only recently that you've embraced it. Like, how does that work? For so you? for me personally, it's part of my sexual identity. I don't think that it for everyone. Um, I always say that I am polyamorous is definitely part of my sexual nature. My husband, however, is uh, he's chosen poly as his lifestyle. And he'll he'll agree with that, that it wasn't it's not something he naturally identifies with. Um, yeah. I've always been this way. I just didn't know it had a label in high mm. school. I had a girlfriend and a boyfriend at the same time. Um, if you asked me if I wanted to get married, I would tell you no, and that I wanted to live in a house with a man and a woman. And however that landed, that was the life that I wanted to lead. Um, and that was just, I never thought I was going to get married, let alone get married to a cis man. <laughs> So when did you think you figured it out? You said you've always known. I've um I think there was a time I met my husband in my very early 20s. I actually met him when I was 19 and we started dating when I was 20. And I think at that time because I didn't know it was a actual viable like lifestyle situation um, outside of, I think back then the only time we heard of like open relationships was on HBO real sex. And it was always like, <laughs> I white, love those episodes. white hippie <laughs> people living like in a tree house somewhere having tantric sex. And so you're like, this isn't 
I, I sounds nice, but yeah, it sounds it sounds nice, but it didn't sound like a thing that you could do. And they always so is a treehouse so not a requirement for being poly? No, it's not. It's a, <laughs> That's kind of a bummer. If you have a treehouse, I think people will flock to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't think it was a thing, and I um and I think we're all kind of programmed to live that that life of like you date, you fall in love, and you get married. And even if you try to fight that really hard, there's a point where you're like, oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So when I met my husband, I fell so head over heels that I was like, oh, this is what's been going on. I've been so slutty because I never found love. And and oh, so you thought you just hadn't met the right person. Right. And when I met him, I kind of didn't want to look at anybody else and I wasn't interested in anybody else but him. But I was also like 19 and then 20 and 21. And that's super young. And um, we moved together six months after we started dating. And so then you started doing the kind of, quote unquote, normal. Right. We met, we moved in, we, you know. Exactly. And. When I turned 25, I had a quarter life crisis mm. and I had, oh my God, we're in hours right now. Yes. <laughs> well, I had a moment while I was washing the dishes where I just burst into tears and started sobbing that I didn't recognize the person I was and whose life is this. And this isn't me because I had always just been super independent. Like I would just, I would take myself to dinner and go read a book. And I had, I was slutty and just sucked dick on a whim because I wanted to. And (laughs) right. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't about like making dinner and being with your significant other. And that was never me. And around that time is also when we got engaged. So I had this whole snowball effect of, I was going through this, crisis of self and my soon to now my partner of at that point five years asked me to marry him and I said yes because you know you don't say no and I was in love with him and I thought that's what I wanted and then an old flame came back into the picture as a like hey I'm sorry I hurt your feelings back then and I see you're doing great I'd love to have coffee and I naively thought I could just do coffee and it turned into an affair Mm, a secret affair a secret affair. So okay. at that point, I didn't I still didn't know polyamory. I still didn't know. Um, I just thought I was just becoming one of those numbers like I'm going to be in this relationship and have this affair. And I wasn't sure it was happening. And when I was finally found out, thankfully, because it needed to come to light, I realized at that point that I wasn't having the affair because I didn't want to be with my husband like at no point. Did I want to not be with him? And at no point it was like, I, I want out of this. It was, I wanted out of the monotony and the feeling like my life wasn't the life I wanted, but I didn't mm-hmm. want to not be with my partner. Mm-hmm. But I was also in love with this person. And so how did you have that conversation yeah. with your husband after, after that long? Um, the Once we had gotten through the explosion of finding out I was having an affair and dealing with that. Um, it was just one morning I was reading the New York times and there was an article about a book and I can't remember what the book was, but they were talking about polyamory and it was like two pages in the New York times about polyamory, (laughs) which is kind of a lot for New York times. Right. It was about the book and they were, but then they were like shooting off and discussing it. And this was before polyamory became like the in thing for everybody to talk about. Um, and I'm so in. 
You're <laughs> so in. And I'm reading it and like this glass shattered, this bell rang. And I'm just, this is me. This is who I, this is me. This is how I've always felt. This is how I've always loved. I'm not broken. I'm not a bad person. I'm just shitty. You're not a sex addict. Right. I'm not a sex addict. I'm just really shitty at communicating. (laughs) So did you like just leave the article out on the kitchen table, like hoping he would see it? (laughs) No, because I'm not passive aggressive. I'm kind of nutty. So I ran up to him going, this is me. This is me. This is what it is. This is me. This is what I want. And he read it and we talked about it a little bit, but he just point blank said, no, it's like, this is not what I want. And at the time we were still in that we're working things out mode. So I kind of tucked it back in, in the background, but was not at all dropping it. It was just like, I have to bide my time because I had hurt the person I loved and it wasn't Mm. the time to do things, but slowly, like we'd just be laying in bed and it would come up and I would talk to him about it. And it's just like, you know, I love you and my love for you hasn't changed, but I realize I love this person. And it was a lot of sometimes him not wanting to hear it. And sometimes we'd have these really deep and profound conversations about it, but it took a lot of time. And we got to a point where I was just really like, I need you to see that this is me. I'm not, it's not a phase. It's not something weird that I really realized who I am and I need to explore it and I need to explore it in a way that works for us because I don't want to lose you, but understand that I think I'm at a place where I don't want to hurt you, but I can't be with you if I can't move forward Mm. in some way. And from there, he agreed that we could seek out a third person. So I identify as queer back then. I just identified as bi, um, And so I was like, okay, we can bring a girl in. That would be great. So we're both kind of dorky and and (laughs) that didn't work out because we'd go out to the bars. I'm like, you go talk to her. He's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) I'm not going to talk to her. You go talk to her. Um, Which that was a bonding time um, for us. And then we finally, there was a, a friend that we really both were into. And it just so happened one New Year's Eve that she and her boyfriend decided to finally reciprocate. So we ended up having a foursome and that was the true opening for us. That was how did it go? It was an amazing foursome. And that was also his glass shattering moment. Like that was his, he was like, I like this too. Yeah. Like the next day. That's so wonderful. He's making breakfast and he's like, I hate you. I'm like, what? Why? Cause I can't stop thinking about her. I still love you, but I want, I like would like that to happen again. And I was like, see, so he Ooh. got it too. That's, he got so he it. had kind of deprived himself of explore, not necessarily consciously, or just but, not considering it an option. Right. right. And then once it was allowed in his right. head and heart, you realize what you're capable of. That's so wonderful. I feel like lots of us obviously stay in relationships because we're lying to ourselves about who we are. What advice would you maybe give somebody who's, yeah, holding on to kind of what you held on to for a long time and just staying in that place of not being true to what they really want. I, I think my, my greatest advice is to just face your fear because you're going to end up hurting someone Mm. like I Mm. did like at the everybody who cheats thinks they're going to get away with it everybody who cheats thinks that the person they're cheating on is never going to find out about it or that something's going to happen and and it'll work itself out and it never does even people find out even years later like you could die and and then your person's going to find out it always comes to light 
if yeah. we've seen any movie about people cheating, they always find out it and you're just living a lie and you're creating more hurt and pain for the person that you're trying not to hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, we have to lean into that. Like I always tell people you have a lot more to lose if you buy by lying to yourself and the person you're with, than you do by being super, super honest and trying to go from there. For sure. Do you think most people are actually poly and just haven't recognized it? Um, no, I, because I, I think that I think, I don't think everybody has the emotional capacity to handle all the things that come with it. Like my husband. Yeah. I mean, I went deep into your blog, like before, right. in like preparation <laughs> and like, there's so many feelings you have and you're so unabashed and vulnerable about them. And I love that, but it also feels like so much, like every, like when you're with a, a partner and it's like established that you're monogamous, you're like, okay, I don't have to deal with like fear of someone not liking me and like potential heartbreak. Although, especially with, except for like potentially your like long-term partner. Right. And it's like, you're so willing and vulnerable to like have the bonuses and like the new loves and the excitements. But with that comes like crushing heartbreak. heartbreak. Yeah. Crushing. Again and again. And all my yeah. Are you also always- a mas- Are you also a masochist? <laughs> Actually, I am, but <laughs> <laughs> cool, me too. Um, I mean, it's all my poly friends too always joke, but not really joking about how they're usually like communicating and having conversations more than they're actually going on dates and having sex. So, <laughs> so like you were saying, so. there's so much to committing to this. I think people often think, oh, well, it's so easy. Um, I'll just get, you know, it'll be so much easier if I can just fuck other people or get other partners. But there's so much to have it done well. Right. Even though there's different ways to do it, but to have it done in a way that works. Speaking right. of that, do you and your husband have rules or boundaries? So when we started, we had a tremendous amount of rules because when we started, so after the foursome, he wasn't, he was down to like do, like we dabbled in swinging for a little while. Um, How would you he, define swinging? Uh, going out and searching for other people or other couples to couples. have sex with as swap partners or sometimes we'd like a single person that we would share. Um, but it was just for the, like the sexual adventure. It wasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily to like create a relationship or, or, you know, be friends or anything. So we'd go to like swinger clubs and, um, we spent a lot of time drinking and eating the weird breakfast that they serve. Drinking and eating people. Not pe- not people. Well, like, not wait, them hold on, fully. I want to hear about the weird breakfast. What's this weird breakfast? So a lot like of a Norwegian breakfast. Clubs, no, they serve breakfast at like twelve or to or two, like two a.m. They put out like food. Really? Yeah. Some some places do. They usually have food. My college some- did that during finals. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you went to you went to somewhere that was conservative. I doubt they right. were doing it in that way. <laughs> like we were at a swingers bar and they put out like a whole breakfast buffet, and so we sat at the bar eating. Uh, bacon and drinking vodka. Was it good? Oh, that it was amazing. good bacon. It was a bad <laughs> night for dates, but it was a great. Yeah, night like does that mean? Does that mean it's oh, a win? So is it kind of the breakfast like a like a booby prize if you haven't gone home because you haven't found someone? You're like, well, here's some bacon. I guess, or it's to fortify <laughs> you before you leave to go have sex. I'm not sure. I don't eating a fuck ton of bacon. I don't think I could fuck after that. I'd I just know. be like, oh, let me Thanks. watch Jersey Shore. So sleepy. <laughs> But yeah, so we would do that kind of stuff. And then, but he didn't want to date. So I had a lot of rules um, around like 
we could only ha- I could only have sex if he was in the room. So that was like we were swinging. Um, when I wanted to go on solo dates, like the rules were vast, but I had a much better quality of date when I couldn't have sex. Like my first date I went on, I remember sending the guy the list and it was like, I can make out. Um, I can touch you uh, over the clothes. <laughs> you could touch me over the clothes, but not in my crotch area. Um, and blah, it was just like most of that kind of stuff. And he's like, okay, cool. And it was the hottest date. I said, because there, there were like all these simmering. rules. There were all these rules. And it was just this like, I want to like take you in the bathroom and bend you over the sink, but I know I can't. So Ooh, that sounds fun. It's sort of yeah. like high schooly too. Like, oh, we can only like make out in the car. Like, with our clothes on and the stick shift in between so that we like can't really get at each right. other. Right. And it was so even though it was a lot of rules, it was it actually helped that I didn't dive into it. I hated them at the time, but I realized like it kept me out of a lot of trouble that I would have gotten into had I not had them mm-hmm. and respected them. Um, and then as time went on, like we would chip away a rule because we would sit and talk like every week it would end up we'd sit, end up on the couch God, like, hey, so fucking communicative. I love it. it. But it didn't it wasn't like, hey, it's time to talk. It would be some shit went down. We, we were having an argument and it was like, OK, we need to sit down and hash this out or we need mm-hmm. to deal with this or I am tired of this shit. Like it wasn't polite <laughs> all the time. Um Mm-hmm. But it was necessary. And yeah, like it was it was something like now our rules are just the basic rule. And I, I actually stole this from a friend because it actually fit what we do is just be classy, be, be cla- classy, be classy and considerate of each other. So we don't do hierarchy anymore. We used to do like I'm primary and your girlfriend is secondary and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. We no longer do that. It's not that we don't think it works for other people. It just I got to a point where I realized I didn't want his girlfriend to be secondary. She wasn't in in my eyes. I'm, I felt bad. It's just mm. she she means a lot to both of us. And how dare I try to relegate her to this second place status? And I didn't want to do that to her. And she wasn't I didn't feel that way about her. And I didn't want her to feel that way about mm-hmm. how she fit into our lives. So it just became you know, basically we live together, we share a life, we share money. So let's be considerate of the fact that we share those things. So it's like, Hey, I want to do this thing. If it's going to cost money, we need to talk about it because we share Mm -hmm. money, you know, like, do we have this money to do this? It's cool if we do, but let's make sure. Or do you, I, I'm going to go out of town. So, um, you know, this would be the perfect time for you to go see your girlfriend because now you don't have to worry about nego- negotiating time or that I'll be home. using the space. Right. Exactly. Things like that. So it's just like being considerate of our time that we're making sure we're spending mm-hmm. enough time together or that we're not doing something that's taking away from our life or hurting something that's going on in our life. Do you together. share all the, do you share all the details of dates that you like, do you talk? Cause I was looking at your blog and there's so many details on your blog. Her blog is by the way, and dirty, so low, tasty, dirty, low, 69 tumblr.com. Um, right. That's correct. Right. I think it's dot tumblr.com. <clears throat> oh you know, yes. Dot tumblr. Tasty. Right. Not at, sorry. DirtyLola69.tumblr.com. And there's lots of information about how you're feeling and vulnerability and things like that. Do you share that in person with your husband or does he read your blog? Like, I'm just curious how that goes out. In the beginning, he wanted all the details. Like he wanted to know stuff and and then he would get really angry. And Mm. I... 
guys, like you don't really want to know this stuff. Like, why do you why are you torturing you? Why are you punishing me? Because there was a lot of punishing going on in the beginning of like, I want to make you feel bad because you made me feel bad, blah, blah, blah and whatnot. And um, yeah, but now it's just kind of like, did you have a good time? <laughs> Or what did you do? Like it like, oh, we went to this place or we went to this great restaurant or, oh, the hotel was really nice that we stayed in. Like those kinds of details. But I don't we don't talk about like sexual details of what the other is doing, but we know what's going on. It's like, oh, you went to this really great museum together. Tell me about that. Or we'll come home like, oh, I went to this thing and we need to go there together because you would have loved it. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Is there ever, so you said you're um, also, you know, into kink and is there ever a problem with like marks or is that not a trigger for jealousy? Um, I think in the beginning, because he's not kinky and it, we, we had to mm. figure that out. We, it took us a while. He knows I like marks. He knows that I enjoy them. Um, he knows that it doesn't mean I'm I'm being abused. And so now he knows if I come home with stuff like he's usually looking for me because I'm like, is my butt bruised? Because I can't see it. <laughs> Can you, what is this back here? It hurts. He's like, oh, it's a bruise. I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah, I know. Where You're that like, oh, from. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like all excited about it. Um, But he's he's he'll more like look and go, oh, shit, <laughs> that was a good one. What what'd you get hit with? <laughs> I mean, you're so open with us and so open on your blog. What do you think prompted you to to want to share all those stories so openly? It was a process. It was when I first started my Twitter that then turned into me putting the stories on Tumblr. It was I was a monogamous bored housewife and I needed an outlet and that so it was like your porn you were writing for yourself. It was my porn and it was also just like a live diary. It was a way mm -hmm. to kind of say all the things and get them out. And I think when you're going on this type of journey, it helps mm. to kind of process it out in the open. And it helped because along the way, I collected friends and I collected people mm -hmm. who, I mean understood where I was coming from or who also helped me along the journey by sharing their stories with me and, and uh, their life experiences. And I think when you, you could, I could have written it all in a journal and I wouldn't have met all the people I, mm. that I met. I wouldn't have the career I have today. I wouldn't have um, made friends and I wouldn't have been able to process it in the same way had I written it in a book and put it on a shelf. So it, I think for me, it just worked. It doesn't, it's not going to work for everyone, but I think it worked for me. And I think it also helped, especially coming to grips with, it took me a long time to be able to say out loud, like I had an affair. Um, it took mm. me a long time to not try to quantify it and say like, oh, it was an emotional affair or I made a mistake. Um, it used to hurt a lot to say those things. And I think being able to say it out loud over and over again has helped me to accept that I fucked up. Like I'll say it, I, it was a bad thing. I fucked up. And that takes a lot to say. And it's yeah. hard to say. Um, Were you anonymous at the beginning? Um, in the very beginning... I didn't show my face and that was kind of out of an anonymity for myself and safety. And then also I wasn't ready for like our friends and family to know. So now everybody knows about Dirty Lola. Like I have a muggle name and a muggle life, but it's. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but Dirty Lola has gotten mixed into that. So now sometimes people look at me and go, which name are you using today? Because people I know know I, I do both and they know about 
all the things. But in the beginning, I wasn't ready for everybody to know I had cheated. Like, I don't think our friends knew that until much later. And they definitely didn't know what we were doing or th- or we thought they didn't know. Because when we came out as poly, some a lot of our friends were like, what do you mean? You weren't already? You weren't already <laughs> doing stuff? And I'm they like, already no. expected it. Or they thought we were. I don't know. I don't know. That's so interesting. Yeah. I had a lot of fear around coming out. Um, I was worried about, I was remembering coming out as bisexual and and some of the blowback and the friends that I lost when that Mm. happened. And I think that made me feel really tender around coming out to friends. And um, it was nice that the only anger we ever got was from the friend who thought I was telling him that we were pregnant and he was so disappointed that I wasn't pregnant. (laughs) It starts with a P also. Like he was like, he almost threw his mimosa in my face because I was like, not (laughs) going to waste a mimosa like that. That is rude. I know. Well, he's just like, what do you mean? You're not pregnant. I'm like, no, I'm he's like, I don't care about that. (laughs) Like (laughs) I thought you already were. Right. Right. A big part of our podcast is talking about how we fit sort of that muggle vanilla, perhaps life and our sluttiness and sexual behaviors. So when have you faced judgment in your life for who you are as a sexual person? Ooh. Oh, my. Um, Because you're so open about it now, but I'm guessing not everyone receives it as as openly and as well as other people. They don't. Uh, I think... I think for me, because I've kind of always not, I've had that attitude of not really caring what people think. So I don't seek it out. Meaning I don't, I don't tend to pay attention. Let's not say I don't seek it out. I don't pay attention. So I haven't gotten a lot of people blatantly telling me, like saying things about my sluttiness over the years. I've just come across it like a really good friend wrote it in a letter to another friend and wrote like two pages about my sluttiness and, and what an honor that someone spent that long it was, <laughs> dedicated it was, to your sluttiness. It was someone that I was like, I really loved and it was early in my life and it was a person Ugh. I super cared about and it ended our friendship because, and the sad thing is it ended our friendship and I never told him why, because we just fell out of touch, but I really just stopped reaching out because I had so read fucking this hurtful. Right. It was hurtful. And that that he felt that crappy about my sexual proclivities and that he wasn't talking to me, but he felt it was OK to write two pages to a mutual friend. And uh, clearly what was, the, what was the context of his hatred? Like, I hate that Lola sucks dick. Like what? I'm just curious. Like it what was, was so angering? I don't even remember why the letter was being written. I think the two the the two friends were having their own friendship breakup and were writing back and forth. And I think he was just going off about the people in his life and and how some were undependable. And I guess somehow my sluttiness landed in that as a problem for him um, and made me a not great friend somehow. I don't know how. Um, hmm. But that was, I think, the the time when I was like, oh, this is there are probably people thinking things and not saying things and people. Um, and I know people th- are thinking things and not saying things. And um, I think that was like the probably the most impactful of, of that. And then I think online, how it's impacted me is mostly been people thinking that they don't have to respect me. Mm-hmm. 
because of my sluttiness. So people thinking they can talk to me in any kind of way or say any kind of thing or that I should just... Like, oh, she talks about sex stuff, so I can send you all the dick pics. Right. Or that I can invite you out to fuck me in another state because, you know, of course you'd want to do that because you're slutty. And even though you don't know me... I just got a message the other day that said, so you love dick? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, yes. Thanks for asking. I like that go in a t-shirt though and <laughs> so you love we'll dick. make one for you slide into your dms so you and love like, dick and like a really pretty script and like <laughs> yeah i've got some other ones too that i i posted this one because he said hey when you're ready for some big black dick hit me up and gave what? his phone number so i posted a screenshot of it and i said hey i'm i'm not in the mood right now but if anyone else is looking for some black dick um hit this, this guy up what- <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So stuff like that. Things like that. Um, or it's so. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Or like the other impact is going out on dates and really being into someone and then having them kind of not be into you beyond the sex because you're a slutty person. So Ooh. you've been using the term slutty and obviously our podcast is Sluts and Scholars. So what does being a slut mean to you? Because we obviously, we love that word. We've reclaimed I found it. this great thing that you said where you said sluttiness is being unapologetically in love with your own sex life, yes. which I just thought was <laughs> fucking amazing. If that's you want to say that, that so you answer the, the question. So you yeah. answer the question. It is but definitely being unapo- unapologetically in love with your own sex life. It ah, is. That just like makes my heart a quiver and my like clit a tingle. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That was really poetic. I, I love who I am and I love that, you know, I'm a sexual being and that's a part of my personality and it like seeps into so many parts of my life. And I'm not sorry about that. I'm not upset about that, that I enjoy sex and that I love men and women and in between. I I love Simone is super happy right now. She's just like (laughs) almost crying from the joy because it's it's. That's what it being slutty is to me. It it just means that I'm enjoying my sex life, that through all the trauma and things like I'm a sexual assault survivor. I was molested twice as a young child and I, you know, made my way through that. And the impact didn't really hit me until I was in my I'm going to say like early to mid 20s and I wasn't orgasming. Um, I didn't even you know, like I was, but it was only by myself and it was only like in a certain way. And it would take me a really long time. And it still takes me a long time, but I, I'm enjoying it, but I didn't enjoy it. And I think I, I've gotten to a point where I'm no longer having sex because I'm seeking something out. Like I, in the beginning I was, I was, I've always been hypersexual. Um, that is part, partly because of the abuse. Um, Well, also, when you discover your orgasm as a young child in a bad way, um, it's hard to kind of separate that it was like it wasn't great how I found my orgasm. That wasn't a good thing. But I can't deny that discovering that pleasure sent me on this path, even at a young age, to Mm -hmm. seek out the pleasure. And it wasn't that I was seeking it out with people. It was just like this thing happened to me. And that part was bad. This part felt pretty good. So like masturbating. That's hard for a a lot of survivors that I work with is enjoying it physically and feeling Mm -hmm. sort of upset and, and disgusted with themselves for enjoying it physically, but emotionally being 
traumatized or upset about it. Right. And I didn't know that that was what was happening because I would get super nauseous after I'd have an orgasm. And this is like young, being young and masturbating and doing things and alone and then trying to rewrite that with a person. So every person I remember sleeping with early on, it would be trying to rewrite those icky moments or trying to actually for me, it wasn't even rewrite those moments. It was I was robbed of a lot of first. I was robbed of like my first kiss. I was robbed of my first sexual experience by choice where I was Mm -hmm. consenting to it. Um, And so I think with people that I was sleeping with, I was trying to like make these moments that I created and not that were thrust upon me. And I didn't realize that then, but as an adult and looking back at like how I kind of went at sex, it wasn't necessarily like, I'm just abandoned and and being wild and reckless. It was really trying to like, just make it better and not knowing I was doing that. And partly why I felt so hard for my husband is because when we were together that first time, it was that I had pursued him and he had turned me down a bunch and we, (laughs) and we went away with friends. And that first time we were together, like that, he didn't kick me out, that he asked me, asked me to stay in bed with him and that, Um, he like wanted to hang out with me and that we were friends and that those kinds of Mm -hmm. things happened. And I think I did rewrite a little bit with him, all the shit that happened sexually for me. And that was the beginning of it. So being able to explore, it is, it's super powerful. And that ability and recognizing it and harnessing it. Yes. And that's where I am now. It's like, I am finally in a place where my body receives pleasure, where I don't feel icky and gross anymore where I can be in my head and, and, and I'm still working on being in my head, um, fully, but where I can be there and it's not a dangerous place. And I'm going to fucking live in that. I'm going to revel in it because it took me a long time to get there. Like we were monogamous. I met him when I was 19. We started dating at 20. We didn't open our marriage until I was 30. I'm 35. I got a lot of time to make up for. Yeah, girl. <laughs> what do you think in that has been like the best healing mechanism for you in being a survivor? Like, how oh. did you get to this empowered place? I think for me, um, especially, it was it was kink. I think finding BDSM and... So therapeutic if you do Nina it. That's what Nina said, too. Yeah. yeah. It's getting back into your body in a different way, in a way... Um, Like I didn't have feeling in my nipples. It would like you could touch them. I could feel that you were touching, but it didn't feel good. My Mm. or it didn't feel bad. It just didn't feel like anything. It was, um, you know, wasn't particularly like erogenous or appealing. Right, and and for a long arm or whatever. Right. Right. Exactly. It was like as if you were touching my elbow. And for a long time, I just thought like, oh, I'm just not a person who gets, um, feeling there in that way. And I have great tits. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> We're everybody staring at them right them. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so everybody wants to touch them and like to have that be a focal point and to not feel anything. And I think mm. I met my first Dom and when we were going over all the things that I was into and he heard like, I was like, oh, I don't. I mean, if you like that, that's great. But I don't really get feeling there. And he's like, what do you mean? And so we started doing nipple torture things. And that was really where I realized like one, I like pain, but two, my brain couldn't ignore that area being touched. It wasn't just fingers mm. and it was forcing my my brain and my body to kind of reconnect um in a purposeful way, um, mm-hmm. in a conscious way. And 
that then moved over into um, like edging and, and, you know, having to control your body's reactions and having to pay attention to your the crescendo of pleasure and where your body is going, which is not something we do normally in like, I'm going to say vanilla sex. It's not a practice unless you are really into mindful <laughs> sex, but not many people are, and especially not people who've survived some kind of sexual trauma. So mm-hmm. I, I think kink helped me way more than I ever realized it was helping. Um, and that you, you wanted to seek it out. Cause I you did. said you met with your first Dom. Did you seek it out? Did you know they were a Dom? I, I knew he was a Dom. I was actually seeking it out because I had read some novels and my body had like perked at some things. And I'm like, maybe I'm kinky. Like maybe what I'm novels. Yeah. What novels? Just for a book club. Just wondering someone's for a friend. I don't even remember <laughs> titles. You know, there's so many like they're like those smutty drugstore like novels. Oh, OK. Oh, I love ca- those. What do they call it? Like Harlequin. <laughs> with bodice, like Fabio bod- on the front. With bodice the rippers. Wind. They're called right. bodice rippers. Yes. No. In our first in our first episode, we talked about masturbation and what first or porn. I don't know. We talked about this erotica that I read as a child. Uh, that was like this like this sexual version of Sleeping Beauty, which was written by Anne Rice under yes. a pseudonym. And I've that is that. kinky as fuck. Right. Yes, it is. And so the ones I would weren't that kinky, but they had like really formidable male characters. And there was a lot of like clear dominance and a clear like <clears throat> submissive. And I was like, oh, this is how this is making me feel a certain kind of way. <laughs> and so that was where I was like, I think I want to ex- explore that. Um, did you talk about and it so with I your did husband first? He and were you like, were you interested? Are you interested? And he was like, nah go somewhere else? Or how did that conversation go? I had the conversation with him about this, about me wanting to explore being kinky because that was before we were really, really open. It was like when we were in the tumultuous times, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had the conversation with him in the parking lot of Target. We <laughs> That's were a good place shopping. for poly conversations. I know, I know. I don't know why in that moment, but I just felt like I needed to tell him. And I think it, I didn't want to hide anything. So uh, we had already gone through the stuff with the like coming out about the affair. And I think I was just trying to be super, super honest and like really blunt. And so I just turned to him and I go, I have to tell you something. I think I'm kinky. I think I'm a submissive. And there's someone I want to try it with. And it doesn't involve sex, but it involves all this stuff. And it's going to take some time, but I need you to know about it. And I'm not asking you for permission. I'm telling you I'm doing it, but I just want you to know. Whoa. Yes! What did he say? That is he amazing. Just, he just looked at me and blinked and he was like, we need to go shopping. <laughs> we have to get the bathroom it, cleaner. It was a lot for him to process. And I think we processed while we were shopping. And I was just like, you know, I'll I'll keep you up on everything. Like I'm I'm open to being open with you about it. And I want you to know everything. I just need to explore. And I this isn't something you're at the time. I was like, I don't even know if you're into it. You don't know if you're into it. So I don't feel like I can explore with you properly. Um, but I want you to be a part of this if you want to be a part of it in any way. And so there was a lot of me reading blogs and articles and sending him links and um, he knew the person I was dealing with. So you had already found a person. How did you find that person? Online. Where else do you find a Dom? (laughs) Online. Um, Love it. Thank you, internet. Yes. You do. I mean, you're so unabashedly like confident in yourself. At least that's how it comes across to me. It's incredible. And obviously I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who don't feel as confident. And I know you do a lot of work too with body positivity and body shaming things. So 
what advice would you give to people to combat some of the haters? Fake it until you make it. Okay. Love it. Fake it until you make it because that's that where happen. it'll happen. Well, I mean, like that's where and people roll their eyes when you say that. But when I started out, I I'm I can get very shy, especially if I don't know people. If I don't know yeah. anybody in the room, I can be very shy. Um, that's become less and less of a thing. Uh, but in the beginning of all of this, especially with me being trying to get into sex education and whatever I wanted to do, I was racked with insecurity and not knowing who I was or who I wanted to be or how that was going to land or any of that. And I, and I think I just, I found ways like I, how I like got around it in, in general, like I would hum to myself if I was in a room full of people I didn't know. And I started finding other little, like I'd go to conferences and I'd wear really cool clothes <laughs> because people mm-hmm. say hello to you and talk to you. If you're, if you have like cool tights on and that would open up conversations and, and, you know, and when you look put together, you feel a little more put together. People perceive you as being put together and that you have your shit together. And so you just, the more you come across it after a while, you actually start being that person that you're putting out there. And I mean, I still have moments where I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, Oh, I have oh, days. Yeah, where, we all do. Yeah. Like I, I still have days where I look in the mirror and I'm just like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> Uh, that imposter but, complex oh yeah definitely and especially oh, like stuff with body um but i think i've gotten to a place where especially being in the public i've learned some things i've learned that the public's gonna tell you the truth and i've gotten my share of shitty comments about my body but i've gotten a lot more wonderful things from people and i believe I believe the wonderful things and choose to just put the shitty things aside because it's people are going to see you the way you don't see yourself. And I have a, I have a trusted handful, more than a handful of people. I love that. I, I use as a mirror. And sometimes you have to do that is find those people Mm -hmm. that you love and use them as your mirror until you can see yourself the way they see you. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. I love, yeah, you, I, I have one question because you talked about being a sex educator, which I think is super important and interesting. And I was looking in your blog and I, I don't know when this was. I went real deep. Um, <laughs> but we've been stalking. I felt like I was like stalking now. like a, like, like, you know, when you like kind of first meet someone and you just like go deep. I don't know. That's why. <laughs> <what I thought. laughs> but um, All I, I saw that you name like, and where they work and then yeah. I can find out everything. And <laughs> I saw that you like go into high schools and talk and you were talking about going to, I think it was like your second time going into a high school and you were like, they had some crazy questions. I'm more prepared this time. I'm just curious, like what are high schoolers asking you about sex? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> they are asking what every time I do anything at a school, whether it's high school level or college level, I have these moments where I feel like I need to like adjust and be a more proper Lola. Um, like, like how much boob is too much boob. Right. Right. Like how much cursing and like how out there and raunchy I'm going to get. And every time I am so thrown by how out there the kids already are. And I forget that like I was that kid. I 
like I was out in high school. I came out in my oral communications class. I had a bunch of out friends. Like we would have sex parties. We watched porn together. Fuck we yeah, did. My high school was like that too. Right. Right. So <laughs> everyone why, fucked each other. <laughs> why would it high school now be like that? And so you go and a lot, it's a mix of really intuitive important questions that they just really want someone to answer honestly because nobody is like what like about like we had a whole thing about abortion and would I like would I ever have one and didn't I feel like like just about life and like I've had an abortion and I was honest about it and I'm like I was I was at the time how old was I oh my god I was 17 18 living in a basement I had gotten kicked out of my house that year previous and I looked around and I said I can't I don't want to be living like this why would I bring another human to live like this and if I bring another human I'm not getting out of here and I had that conversation with myself out loud and also my friend I was living with at the time was very adamant about listen like I love you this is this isn't this is gonna fuck your life up like you need to go and do what you need to do and Mm -hmm. and it was a real conversation Um, And I had that with the kids and I said, you know, sometimes you have to look, try to see the future and you have to see where you are. And it's like my only regret is that I wasn't in a better place to have that child. But I don't regret making that decision because my life would have been I don't know if I won't say it would have been worse, but I definitely wouldn't be where I am now. And I definitely wouldn't have the things I have in the life that I'm living. Um, I'm sure they appreciated that authentic answer. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's fucking important. But somebody to just be honest and say, like, this might not be right for you. But let me just say, I'm not like I'm going to be real with you and I'm not going to tell you, like, don't have sex. Right. I'm going to say, like, hey, this is something that happened in my life. And, and this this is how it affected me. And this is where I am now. But I'm going to just be real about it and not try to steer you either way. I'm just giving you that information. And they want to know it. They want to know it. And then there's the there's the ignorance, too, because there's still like if you douche with Coke, like like Coca-Cola. What the fuck? Yeah. They, oh, they, I was thinking cocaine. Pregnant. No. Regardless, it's Regardless, what the fuck? That you won't get pregnant. Like that was going around in the school. Oh. That if you douched with Coca-Cola after you had sex, you wouldn't get pregnant. And I'm oh. like, I re- that was something that was going around when I was in school. Like that. What? It was That's in the Virgin wild. Suicide. Like you Remember might that book. Yeah. In the Virgin in the book. So interesting. The book is a lot more detailed, but in the book, Lux actually gets pregnant, and she tries all these really fucked up ways to um, not be pregnant, and one of them involves soda, douching with soda, and she ends up getting like this horrible, horrible, horrible yeast infection. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I was gonna say douching yeah. with coke may or may not stop you from getting pregnant, but it was sure as shit give you a yeah. yeast infection, yes, and she ends up in the hospital, and she like it was this whole thing, but. There are kids still thinking these really weird, like, I don't know who's making up these home remedies and passing it around and why and why it won't die. They need, to, they need to stop. Yeah. Or like that your ass gets bigger after you have sex. That, what? that was a question. Does your ass grow after you have sex? And so I had to break it down. That's why I'm our like, donks are so great. Yeah, we, but the, I think it's true. Well, you know what it is? I and I had this thing. I said, you know what? You might think that because you're all still going through puberty and you're growing. And a lot of oh. you are having sex while going through puberty. So when you're having sex, somebody might have sex and then have a growth spurt. And so yeah, correlation does not equal causation. Right. Exactly. It's just where you are in your life. Like if 
if you're like a 40 year old virgin, I don't think you're all of a sudden going to grow a badonkadonk ass because you have sex. But if you are a 16 year old girl who is on the cusp of budding and over the <laughs> summer you have sex and then you come back like, oh, crap. You got boobs and you got, I had, it has nothing to do with it. Is that sex? I'm not so that fucked ass right out of you. I am so happy. I'm so grateful that you're there to answer these questions. Like, God, it must be, if I had you and if I had met you in high school, it would just been, would have been great. I don't know. I it's wonderful. It. Sadly, we have to start wrapping up soon, oh, but okay. we want to hear about what you're doing right now and how people can find you. Okay, so right now, um, once a month in New York, I do my live sex ed variety show, Sex Ed A Go Go. Uh, we're the last Saturday of every month at Auto Shrunken Head. That's live. Oh, and I then love that place. It's so good. And then we record it um, for the podcast. So the podcast is just the live show shenanigans, and you don't get to see the go go, of course, but you get to hear the music sometimes. And um, could you explain your show a little bit yeah, for people who yeah. don't know about it? Because I was reading about it and listened to the podcast, and I was like, that sounds slash we're cool. coming yeah. as soon as we can get over there. So we are basically, it's a a live, it's like a Q&A session for an audience in a bar. <laughs> so the audience gets to ask us, uh, myself and my panel, the Pussy Posse, which is composed of a special guest who is sometimes like a somebody in the sex industry, bloggers, educators, etc., and a go-go dancer. Um, mm -hmm. And we sit and we answer those questions collectively. Um, off the cuff, we don't have any preparation. I don't know what people are going to ask before each show. Um, but I like it on levels of one, it makes learning into education and people don't always realize that they're learning something. They're coming out for a night of fun and they're going to they end up learning about um, anal sex or, you know, polyamory or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I also love it because I get to entertain folks. We have really great performers who come through and do amazing go-go sets. And we had like a live, uh, a live musical performance accompanying the go-go last show, which Ooh. was really awesome. But on that other level is you have this usually half naked woman, um, usually a woman uh, sitting on stage answering your question so all the subjectification but then you have they're super intelligent like all of these amazing dancers are hella smart like I love, yes, yeah. I love listening to them talk and I my favorite thing is hearing like these bombs of profound knowledge being dropped and you look over and it's somebody in a goddamn glitter bra and a thong and I'm like yeah. I love goddamn glitter bra Yes, because but that's so important. Like what we're trying to do with this podcast is addressing the misconception that there's this correlation between like being sexual or talking about sex or being a sex worker and like not being smart. And right. that's just like so fucking wrong. Right. So wrong. And false. so wrong. And false. So that's wrong part and of false. Wrong and false. <laughs> and false. Wrong and false. So that's. That's what we do. And and we do that once a month. And I, I take it around the country, too. We actually did a very miniature version of it at AVN in January, the Ooh. adult video news. Um, so we did that there. And that's I my main I was actually there project. briefly with my grandma. I wish I would have known you were there. Oh, were you? Oh, yeah. my God. We, <laughs> we had planned hello. Did she love it? Well, we had planned a trip to Vegas and it happened to be during the AVN weekend, which I didn't know. And so we went and I was, it was like, serendipity. Yeah, I was oh like, my oh, God. let's go. So it was me and my grandma and my dad walking <laughs> oh through AVN God. just to, you know, see the sights. Did they love it? 
Was it yeah. like I'm I'm just in love that you take your grandma to all these things because <laughs> I my grandmother's no longer here. But I'm always like my grandma would love oh, her grandma. <laughs> She's in New York. Time. I'm going to introduce you guys and she can be your surrogate grandma. Oh, I would love Maybe that. she can like, be on like, the pussy oh, posse. Yeah, she yes. would be great on the pussy posse. She's been married like six times. Oh, yeah. She I was love- doing like Polly before Polly was a thing. I think she's got some stories. Yeah, she's so she's so one time I introduced uh, a partner to her that I was dating and he was really hot and she was very unabashed about how she felt about that. I think I think Simone was actually worried that my grandma would steal him away. I'm yeah. sometimes worried about oh. that with my current partner. She's like, like oh, did you want to get together? Is is your boyfriend coming? <laughs> okay, so you have great. sex at a go go. Is there yeah. anything else that you want to share with us that you have going on? am I working on um oh well I will be like all the some my summer touring um I will be out on the west coast I don't know where yet just look out if you're on the west coast Lola's coming let us know and then I'm doing like conferences I'm going to be at Woodhull in August the ah, Woodhull say, hi to Nina yeah, say hi to Nina yeah, I'm doing that. And then I'll be at Catalyst Con in, what is that, September. Um, and then hopefully in the fall, Sex Down South, which is in, oh, in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. What's Sex it, Down South? It's an it's amazing a, it's a cool conference. conference. It's In awesome. the South? Yes, right? <gasps> in Atlanta. It's in Atlanta. It's in Hotlanta. It's going to be there. protesters? I don't know. So here, so I'm saying it's awesome because I've only been, I read the tweets of everybody there and then I hear about all the amazingness and I see all the pictures and I'm like, why haven't I gone yet? Mm -hmm. I don't think they get a lot of protesters because really people are starved for this kind of thing. Yeah. And Atlanta is really like, it's conservative, but it's not super conservative. Like you can do stuff in Atlanta and kind of get away with it. Whereas you maybe not make it. Like you don't want to go to other parts of Georgia, but yeah. It's, I've heard good, good things. And so this year I have to go. It's in October and I'm, I got to so be exciting. Yeah. Lola, you have so much going on. You've shared so much knowledge and humor with us. And I'm, we're just so grateful. I love this. Well, that was amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on Sluts and Scholars. We were joined by Bye. Dirty Lola. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. Stay tuned. Thank you.